time is 7 o'clock. This is Redwood Community Radio, KMUD Garberville, KMUE Eureka, KLAI Leightonville, where the views and opinions expressed throughout the broadcast day are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of the station staff, underwriters, or volunteers. And do remember that our local waterways can be extremely dangerous. Even familiar swim spots can be unsafe. When you're at the river, lake, or beach, remember these simple steps. Children and inexperienced swimmers should always wear a life jacket. Supervise your children around water and don't turn your back on the ocean. Remember, never drink or use cannabis and swim. It only takes seconds to put on a life jacket. It could save your life. For a life jacket loan station near you, visit humboldtgov.org backslash life jacket loan program or call 707 268 It's brought to you by DHHS Public Health, Healthy Communities Division. I know that the uh, uh, life jackets around in Garberville are available at the Tsunami Surf and Sport. I borrowed one once. I wiped out really bad, and I swear it's possible I would have drowned if I didn't have that lovely county-provided life jacket on because rivers are really powerful sometimes. It's time for Ask Your Herb Doctor. the Herb Doctors. Welcome to this month's Ask Your Herb Doctor. My name's Andrew Murray. My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray. Welcome. For those of you who perhaps have never listened to the show, they run every third Friday of the month from 7 till 8 p.m. and from 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with any questions related to this month's topic of mitochondria, immunity, and natural resistance. Once again, we're very pleased to be joined by Dr. Raymond Peake to weigh in with his expertise on this subject. And uh, Dr. Peake, are you there? Uh, yeah, but I can barely hear you. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, let me know. Is that it? Can you hear me any better now? Uh, no. No. Uh, uh, engineer. Uh, uh, the engineer's voice was very clear, but 
when he switched you on, sound went sound almost nothing. Oh, dear. Okay, well, I'm going to bring him much as much as I can. I know that callers have had trouble hearing other people here. It's too bad you can hear me and not him, though. Uh, I've brought him up a bit, and I think we'll have to do our best. Okay. Well, uh, let me, uh, let me I guess, uh, there you are. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll outline, outline what we're going to talk about. Um, the main thrust of tonight's show is going to be uh, natural resistance and immunity, uh, and we're going to discuss the role of mitochondria. Uh, there's some very interesting um, plant-based uh, material which is uh, responsible for the cell stabilizing effect that we're going to describe and discuss uh, in terms of uh, stabilizing the cell and uh, for producing uh, energy in the mitochondria. Um, so, Dr. T, I think if you can hear me okay, uh, we should probably start by asking you to describe your academic uh, and um, professional background. Okay. Uh, I didn't study uh, biology professionally until uh, uh, about 12, 12 years after graduating from college. Uh, I decided to go back and get a Ph.D. at the University of Oregon, 1968 to 72. Uh, and previously, I had been working in uh, literature, uh, education, and various humanities areas. Uh, but um, finishing my PhD in physiology, uh, I continued uh, using the ideas I had researched uh, to apply to different fields, uh, studying brain in particular, uh, uh, reproductive hormones uh, and how nutrition uh, interacts with development and health in general. Okay. Um, thanks for that. So for getting uh, onto the uh, topic of um, the first part of the show, um, I looked at a, uh, a wide range of um, natural products uh, which have been studied and which have been shown to be um, sources of mast cell um, stabilizers. So in terms of the degranulation, which is the term given uh, that mast cells undergo, and I don't think it's just mast cells, but um, in terms of a response to an allergen, which is the histamine-type-based reaction upon which inflammation is predicated, um, there's several different classes of compounds uh, ranging from flavonoids uh, to coumarins, um, things like uh, cinnamic acid, and especially we'll cover things like resveratrol and the quercetin, uh, which is a, 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 a flavonoid um, found in citrus fruits and dark berries. I want to try and get a discussion going with you because I know that you're interested in the energy potential of cells, and um, we've mentioned uh, before in previous shows um, medicinal plants like lapacho uh, or tababui in pitaginosa, and, other, and otherwise known as um, pau de arco, as well as um, cat's claw, which is uncaria tomentosa. Now, the lapacho 
Lapacho, which is producing the compound Lapachol from Tabobui, a, a South American indigenous tree used in the treatment of cancers, uh, as well as cat's claw, which is used in the treatment of Borreliosis from um, tick-borne Lyme's disease-carrying ticks. Now, both of these two, as well as all the other flavonoids that we'll look at, have very dark pigments, and I've asked you in the past about the electrical potential of these pigments, and I know you've had a fairly clear uh, answer for their benefits and how they are able to support various cell uh, functions as well as mitochondrial function uh, in energy production through ATP, etc. But um, both of these plants have very dark pigments. So do you have anything to say on the nature of the pigment and how that pigment acts electronically? Um, yeah, when, when I was in graduate school, I, I was working on uh, how <clears throat> oxidation, uh, mitochondrial oxidation, uh, relates not only to aging and fertility, uh, but also to resistance against disease and development. Uh, aging is, is a bad outcome of development, but development of the organism is something that's always happening. And when it's under the influence of oxidation, uh, the, the outcome is constructive when it's under the influence of something that blocks mitochondrial oxidation, the outcome is always bad. And it was already already known in the 1960s that, in general, purple pigments tended to promote a better, more efficient oxidation. And so I was always running around testing various plant materials especially the purple and red ones. And several people observed that, in general, red pigments tended to be sedating and blue pigments stimulating. But my main interest was in how the color related to the structure and why it improved mitochondrial oxidation in uh, the early years of the 20th century, Frederick Koch, a uh, uh, bio biochemistry and uh, physiology professor at University of Michigan, uh, uh, found that a, a certain way of, uh, of preparing a, a catalyst, uh, uh, he, he used a, a certain uh, hot temperature of a platinum electrode to uh, oxidized alcohol and produced a, a very intense deep uh, blue or purple pigment uh, uh, and found that it catalyzed uh, mitochondrial uh, uh, physiology and function uh, many years before the ubiquinone uh, system uh, uh, named that because it's a quinone in which is ubiquitous in life. But even before that was known, uh, Frederick Cook of Coke was working on the, uh, the, that chemical structure, uh, which he knew to be a quinone, but he hadn't, uh, he hadn't even attempted to extract 
that material from, from cells. He just uh, uh, reasoned that it had to be there to catalyze oxygen. Uh, and so it turned out that this quinone that he was producing uh, involved uh, multiple uh, double-bonded carbon-oxygen bonds that were resonating in relation to each other. The more you have in a sequence interacting with each other, the more powerful it is as an oxidant. And um, after he, uh, in effect, was chased out of the U.S. by the FDA and FBI, he went to Brazil and, and studied natural plant substances there, and Lapacho was, was one that he uh, was interested in because of its color. Uh, and uh, this turns out to, to be an analog of our own uh, quinone system or coenzyme Q10 system, which is also very closely related to the vitamin K uh, structure. And the natural anti-inflammatory antibiotics, uh, tetracyclines, have a, a very intense uh, system of conjugated uh, double bonds analogous to, to these uh, uh, other natural uh, activators of respiration. And uh, they, they happen to, in general, uh, activate the production of energy as well as uh, increasing the consumption of oxygen. But uh, during the same period, going back about 70 or 80 years, it was known that anything that uh, uncoupled uh, reduced the efficiency of energy production in the form of ATP would make the oxygen system of the mitochondrion run faster and create a more oxidized state of the cell. And, and uh, this principle was used in diet pills because it would make you burn up fat quickly. But it was also found to intensify immunity in the sense of, of being able to detect and throw off cancer cells that were disseminated but not yet forming tumors when you made the cells oxidize probably about 50 to 100% more intensely than normal by using this uncoupling chemical. The cancer cells would be attacked by the rest of the body, flare up, and be thrown off and fail to uh, go ahead to produce a deadly cancer. Uh, so this so is, the, this is the in the presence of this, these quinones? Uh, uh, yeah, this particular chemical, uh, uh, dinitrophenol, uh, uses the nitro group, which is mm -hmm. it's, it's actually more toxic than the system the body uses, uh, much riskier. A lot of people kill themselves trying to uh, use that chemical uh, for weight loss or whatever. Uh, but it, it illustrates the principle that when you run the system 
so it oxidizes uh, more thoroughly. Uh, uh, it, it does something to the immune system that uh, uh, resists both infectious organisms uh, like bacteria. Uh, one of the changes that happens when you uncouple the cell and increase mitochondrial oxidation is that iron becomes safely put into a storage form, the ferric oxidized form. And the opposite of that process happens when the cell has some obstruction to oxygen use. Many, many toxins and microorganisms can interfere with the use of oxygen. And in that case, the iron is reduced electronically, goes into the toxic ferrous form, which creates very powerful free radical forms of oxygen, hydroxyl radical, which then damages everything in the cell. So protectively, the cell has this basic mechanism of increasing fever, for example, will increase the body temperature and oxidation by a natural form of uncoupling. Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garbable 91.1 FM. Um, from 7.30 to the end of the show, callers are welcome to ask questions. Uh, Dr. Raymond Pete is with us, guest speaker. Uh, we're discussing mitochondria, immunity, and natural resistance. And we're just about to look at some of the natural compounds uh, that are used as cell stabilizers. So going back to what you said, Dr. Pete, about iron and these quinone compounds that are found in things like tababui, um, powdarco, do those also cause the body to put iron in a safer form rather than the very toxic form you mentioned? Uh, yeah, everything that maintains even the normal rate of cellular oxidation uh, maintains a, a basic stable uh, cell immune condition. Uh, and it's only when something has caused a dangerous disruption that the body has to resort to uh, fever to increase that state and go back to its resting uh, normal rate of, of good high oxidation. Okay, so we were talking about, um, well, rather you were talking about um, the double bonded oxygen structure um, and how this was um, relevant to the uh, efficacy of these things to be um, stabilizing and to produce the effect uh, that you just mentioned. Um, the, I think, well, just in case people aren't familiar um, with the mitochondria, I think it's a well-known kind of uh, grade school um, term that they are the um, machinery that generates the energy, uh, the um, natural progenitors of the energy. That uh, Essentially, these are organelles, if you like, that are uh, part of a cell, and there are trillions and trillions and trillions of them, uh, each, quote, unquote, manufacturing energy. But they essentially use 
food that's converted into a chemical called ATP, which is released by the mitochondria. Now, I don't want to just assume that this is how you understand mitochondria, because I know that um, you've got some different um, interpretations of things we learned when we were studying these subjects, and that's the way that it's generally portrayed. But um, essentially, that whatever nutrients that we eat increase um, the energy electrons, as it were, in the form of a substance called NADH. Um, and this is used by protein complexes to pump protons from the matrix uh, to the intermembrane space of the mitochondria. And this continuous pumping um, supposedly causes this proton-rich gradient um, where you've got positively charged protons attracted to a negatively charged matrix. And going through this ATP synthase protein complex, which, again, you may or may not uh, subscribe to, and this is essentially what catalyzes the production of ATP, and it's this currency of energy which is used um, like thyroid very much, and they're probably hand-in-hand hand, uh, to pay transactions. Uncoupler when it's sufficient. Say that again? Thyroid hormone does uh, increase the uncoupled uh, oxidation of uh, 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 glucose in particular, uh, raising the temperature. Uh, so uh, uh, when you're feeling maximally energized and efficient with good thyroid function, you aren't uh, really being efficient in the sense of uh, making a maximum number of ATP per oxygen because... Uh, the running the oxygen through the system is maintaining a favorable balance of NAD, the oxidized form, to NADH. Uh, and when you block that thyroid function or any aspect of the system in the mitochondrion that consumes oxygen, blocking that, uh, you pile up too much NADH. That's the reducing stressed state of the cell. And these plant substances, a lot of them, because of their hydroxy group rather than a double-bonded oxygen-carbon group, they have been considered to be nothing but antioxidants, vitamin C among them. But some of the flavonoids, for example, that in the test tube, they look like antioxidants or reductants. Once they get inside the cell, they change their structure, lose the hydrogen, and create the, the quinone, uh, the, the uh, uh, keto group, the double-bonded oxygen carbon, uh, and become a catalyst then to maintain the oxidized state of the cell and lower the ratio of NADH to NAD. Okay. So the uh, cell-stabilizing effect then is something I think we should probably just open up at this point in time because... Uh, Although we have I a caller to... too. I tried emailing yeah, you, but that didn't work. It's, it's, it's a little early. I just wanted to get into some okay. of these natural products so that people that are listening to the show now or later on on the uh, audio archive can take a look at these compounds and see how they're relevant in today's... Uh, alternative medicine and how quercetin is one of those. So I think we'll jump straight into quercetin. But I'll tell them to call back in 15 minutes. Yeah, I think so. Essentially, quercetin, um, for those people who have been looking at the alternative uh, approaches to treating uh, COVID and or prophylaxis, which is the best, obviously the best uh, way to try and go about this is to keeping your 
energy and your cell stability is good and thyroid function up and making sure that uh, you're in a healthy space uh, physiologically, that uh, quercetin uh, was one of these um, flavonoids that has been um, mentioned in quite a few published medical journals uh, along with the hydroxychloroquine which was mentioned early on in March and April uh, and one mention, I will mention the other compound, um, ivermectin, which actually is an antiparasitic. But uh, getting back to quercetin, quercetin was one of those three compounds that was used and ex exactly for the cell stabilizing effects of its um, effect. Um, one of those, uh, again, compounds that, as Dr. Pete's mentioned, is found richly in citrus fruits and dark berries. And then we talked about Powderarca to begin with. Uh, and the uh, ubiquinone and the quinone structure having this pigmentation, uh, we find a lot of the flavonoids um, that are useful in terms of stabilizing mast cells and preventing degranulation and the inflammation from histamine release and the cascade of events that happens that produces the uh, vasodilation and bronchoconstriction and all the respiratory trouble that people can get into in just a regular coughs and colds and influenzas, let alone uh, coronavirus for however much more severe it is than the regular regular flu. But um, that these flavonoids range from herbs that were well known when we were studying things like uh, Dyer's Weld, which is uh, Resida uh, luteola, which the compound is luteolin, uh, and then from the olive, uh, diosmetin, as another good mast cell stabilizer. And apigenin is well known in the herb world from parsley or artichokes and chamomile and oregano. Um, celery. Yeah, and celery. And then uh, they also listed uh, gingetin from ginkgo. And ginkgo is a well-known platelet aggregation factor blocker used in allergies. Um, and also... EGCG, which is epigallocatin uh, gallate from green tea. Uh, but again, in strawberries, blackberries, uh, pears, peaches, and apples. And then uh, silamarin from the milk thistle, another good flavonoid. Uh, and scopolitin uh, from oats, uh, cherries. And then there were several other compounds which were from some fairly um, random artemisias and angelicas that were um, Marcel stabilizers. Uh, another range of these things came from cinnamon, uh, cinnamic acid uh, was well reviewed, and elagic acid from, again, uh, these pigmented berries, strawberries, raspberries, blackberries, cherries, walnuts. Um, and I wanted to talk about resveratrol, uh, which has been used in an antiborreliosis um, uh, approach um, from polygonum cuspidatum, another very good mast cell stabilizer, uh, and then turmeric uh, from curcumin and parthenolide from feverfew. Um, and then there was the sesquiterpene lactone family uh, of compounds from which spinach uh, and lettuce, funnily enough, and, and chicory uh, were well represented. Um, and yeah, and parsley, celery and parsley. So there's lots of natural compounds of which some are uh, flavonoids, um, some of them are phenols, um, some are terpenoids, um, but they are all from plants and plant-based uh, compounds which are either pigment products uh, like all the berries and the fruits um, or they are just other compounds produced by natural products of which these herbs are bearing 
uh, those things. Um, I think we can probably take this first caller, if the caller's on the air, if they're still there. Otherwise, we can give out the number and people can call in uh, from now until 8 o'clock. So, I, had, I had asked yeah. him to uh, call back in 15 minutes, but callers do yeah, call, 923-3911. And did it work for me to email that we had a caller so I don't have to interrupt you? Oh, um, let me check that. Okay, so the, it doesn't pop up easily for you, so I will interject. No, nope, I can. I can I can check it here. Okay. Yeah. So once again, for people listening to the show, you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor, KMUD Garbable, 91.1 FM. Um, we have Dr. Raymond Peake, guest speaker on the show tonight. Uh, the number, if you're in, in or out of the area, wherever you are in the world, uh, it's... We let's not give out that one eight hundred number. Let's give out the seven zero seven nine two three three nine one one. So that's once again seven zero seven nine two three three nine one one. Callers welcome from seven thirty until the end of the show at eight o'clock. And we have a caller now. Okay, great. Well, let's take this first caller before we get back to the cell stabilizing effects of some of these compounds, and then we're going to get into um, natural resistance, and then we're going to mention iron and other other factors. So, Caller, you're on the air. What's your question and where are you from? Oh, I'm uh, actually calling you from down in San Francisco. I'm David. Hi, Caller. You... You're on the air. Where are you from? What's your question? Yeah, well, I, what I wanted, I, I tuned in late, so I'm not positive. All right, didn't have an engineering late, but, uh, uh, issue. Oh, oh hold I, I, on. Wait a second. David, he, he's not able to hear you. I'm going to try switching you over to Dr. Pete's line and see if he is able to hear you. So, David, right, thanks. Yeah, please start on. again. No, no, just start again right now. Oh, yeah, here. Uh, hear me now? Yeah, what's your question, David? Where are you from? Yeah, I, I uh, tuned in late, so I, I wasn't positive I heard it right, but are you talking about uh, the list of different herbs and plants that uh, uh, you were recommending there? Uh, was that in, in kind of a prevention of COVID, that all of that list no. would kind of make your tissue pucker up and it would make it for harder for the COVID to grab on? Is that kind no, of the, no, the area you're was, working was, on with it? It was not, not, not at all specific for COVID, but which was a very uh, broad spectrum uh, mat cell stabilizer. So it was a cell, they are all cell stabilizing compounds. Right. Uh, so from when I say pucker product. up, you're, you're talk, calling it stabilizing, which might be the same thing. Yeah. Um, it, well, what I'm wondering about, tied to that, is there, you know, if, if COVID makes your lungs pucker up so much that they turn into dead coral, um, is there something that Pete, we could eat that would regain tissue in your lungs? So in well, other words, if you got that dead I, coral I it, to it, fall it, off and cough it out, you might be able to grow your lungs again if you ate right. I'm, yeah. You know, okay. So, from a, uh, from a question, question enough, I don't. I think that actuality is extremely rare. But Dr. Pete, uh, what do you think about the lung tissue damaging effects of what we are all frightened with with COVID nineteen? Uh, the spike protein uh, uh, creates the inability to uh, overcome inflammation. So. Uh, the inflammatory reactions are, are what killed a person uh, with COVID infection. Right. Uh, it, yeah, it, it creates so much pus that you drown in it, right? Uh, and uh, the mast cells, for example, uh, the plain old histamine reactions, 
uh, prostaglandins, all of the familiar uh, things that we uh, suffer from uh, with a mosquito bite uh, or a bruise, uh, almost any injury. Uh, it's exactly the same inflammatory system that goes wrong with COVID and also with cancer. So it shouldn't be surprising that a tremendous range of natural substances which have a very parallel molecular arrangements shouldn't be surprising that they will be beneficial in everything from mosquito bites to COVID or cancer or heart disease because what they're doing is restoring the natural metabolism. The fibrosis in the lungs results, it's the end product of chronic inflammation. So pneumonia caused by influenza or by smoking or by COVID virus, they all move towards the production of excess collagen and fibrosis and loss of, of proper lung function. You know, have they ever, um, you know what it means to like prune a tree? Like if there's a dead, dead end, like what you're talking about, the fibrosis in the lungs, that was what my image of that, uh, like dead coral in your lungs, right? That, that it was so dead that it couldn't revive because it was like crystallized. Well, if you like pruned that off, can you get a starter off of that? I, I couldn't hear that last question. Well, in other words, I, I don't know if you've ever done any pruning, but if you prune like exactly down to the live tissue, there are times where you can, if you catch it in the right conditions and it's not frosts and not, you know not uh, too many honey or you know different kinds of wasps or something that'll eat it up, you could actually get a starter growing from that live tissue. And so I'm, if the lungs, in, as I understand it with COVID, your lungs uh, basically get so, uh, so used up, I guess there's an allergic reaction just causes them to die and they crystallize. And so you end up with like dead coral in your lungs. And, uh, but you usually drown of the pus before you, that is even an issue. But it... Um, so I'm just wondering, is there any kind of food that we could eat that would revive the lungs? And if it, it like, uh, requires kind of a, uh, a nipping uh, of, the, of the dead tissue off so that a starter uh, could get revived, so to speak. Uh, one of the first places affected by the COVID virus, uh, people will often get a diarrhea and a cough uh, associated with inflammation of the intestine caused by the virus even before it appears in the lung tissue and the inflammation of the intestine causes a variety of toxins including bacterial endotoxin to get into the system so you to, get necrosis to interfere the with oxidative metabolism so that you stop producing carbon dioxide at a proper rate and start making pro-inflammatory lactic acid, and that leads to the inflammation in the lungs. So the, the one of the basic protective things to do is to make sure your intestine is not inflamed 
And so uh, that includes avoiding any food that isn't properly digested. And so enemas, laxatives, and fibrous foods, and even antibiotics to sterilize the intestine should be a part of any major, for example, surgery. They know that patients recover more successfully from major surgery if they have disinfected and cleaned their bowel because that any major trauma activates that whole systemic inflammatory process uh, starting with leakage from the bowel. Sure. Hey, I'll let another so caller really, get in, but I yeah, appreciate your effort. Right, so really, um, I guess the answer to your question, caller, because we do have another caller, is Dr. P is saying, which I think we can all agree with, that if you keep your intestines healthy, you keep your bowels working well, that you'll have less inflammation in the lungs. So things like raw carrot salad, well-cooked mushrooms, taking laxatives like herbal laxatives like cascara and um, eating a generally healthy diet will help keep your intestines in optimum shape, which then means you'll be able to keep the inflammation down since that's where a lot of the COVID and other pneumonia, cold viruses start is in the intestine. So, Michael, I think we're ready for the next caller. And I'm going to suggest that callers, you're all on the same line. You're going to have trouble hearing each other. So please make a short, concise answer or question and don't try to make it short and concise <laughs> thank you and another caller is coming in so caller you are on the air hello yeah hi where are you from and uh, what's your question is that is that for me hello yes you you're on the air oh hello okay. where are you calling from and what's your question well i'm calling from humble county and I have uh, been in another state, and I, with a family, went start the COVID, and I treated my own self because I'm a holistic health therapist with an herbal called echinacea and golden seal extract, and I usually usually I use a, a one drop of a thousand milligrams and that protects me I never had the COVID and protects me like if I go shopping and I have a little sore throat and bring you like an allergy I take the drop even you know if, if I don't have if I have to go shop I take a drop and I can take another drop later if I have a sore throat or or uh, an allergy, which it, okay. it brings my immune system, fight the soldiers to fight out what can happen inside. Yes, echinacea so, and golden seal are good, very good for your immune system. Did you have a question, caller? No, it, it's just about that. That uh, I, you know, have a feeling what's going on with all the, the people being hurt with the COVID, and I thought, give an explanation what those medicines are like, you know, like they prove right. you, they can bring you back 
That's very good. We agree with that. Okay, let's get going then. So uh, you're, on ask, you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor Kamey Galbagall 91.1 FM. Uh, from now until 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in the questions, the numbers, 1-707-923-3911. Dr. Raymond Pete joining us. Uh, so Dr. Pete, until we get another caller, I just wanted to get, go through the, uh, uh, the self-stabilizing effects Oh, look out, I think we have another caller on the air. Another caller, caller where are you from, and what's your question? Good evening, I'm calling from uh, the Outer Galaxy. Uh, my question is this, I, I heard uh, at the beginning of the program uh, some conversation about uh, what I would identify as the microbiome, and I'm gonna be brief and not static. Uh, the microbiome of the gut and the, uh, the way that the uh, gut health affects overall uh, whole body health. I'm a sufferer of, uh, of, of Graves' disease, Hashimoto syndrome, as well as uh, hyperthyroid. And as a male, with the uh, way the pharmaceutical corporations are set up, women are generally 84% uh, of the time diagnosed with a hyperthyroid. Men are not. So everything in the, the uh, spectrum for the uh, hokey pokey, uh, let's mess around with uh, petropharmaceuticals, none of that works for me because my doctor gave me estrogen and serotonin uh, as a mistake. Uh, my question is this, the application of um, black walnut tincture, that's what I use in order to stimulate my thyroid and I highly recommend it to anybody and everybody on the North Coast because Fukushima Daiichi is affecting everyone's thyroid. Hyperthyroidism and uh, hypothyroidism Thyroid disease is on a major scale rise. I'd like to ask a clinician uh, his opinion or her opinion about the efficaciousness of uh, uh, black walnut tincture and their experience with that. Thanks so much for the program. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so far as black walnut tincture is concerned, uh, Juglans nigra, uh, the main main use for that really is an antiparasitic, uh, the compound uh, juglone. It's definitely been shown to be uh, toxic to uh, certain parasites, and so that's why it's been used for intestinal parasites. Um, I think it's also been um, used or mentioned as a useful herb in thyroid disease because it does contain minerals like iodine and manganese. So um, that's potentially why they're talking about it, but from a... Um, yeah, well, Dr. Pink's not very interested in too much in the idea. Right, I know, Dr. Pink, you've said that um, based upon the studies, very, very few people are low thyroid because of lack of iodine. It's actually quite rare, and actually too much iodine is very, very thyroid suppressive. Is that correct, Dr. Pete? Yes. Yeah, so in that, in that sense, uh, black walnut would not be very useful because that would probably uh, and potentially uh, cause an increase in iodine that would not be favorable. Anyway, the, that, was the, uh, that was the feedback for black walnut as an uh, antiparasitic. Um, so until we get our, any next callers here, I just wanted to talk about uh, Ami Visnaga, which is uh, its common name is Kellen, uh, and it's actually an excellent plant-derived mass stabilizer. Um, so if people want to look at Ami Visnaga, it's been used actually for kidney disorders, but um, there's quite a lot of um, published research on it as a plant-derived mass cell stabilizer from which the um, natural products that we started listening uh, in this show um, have come from. 
obviously there are natural and synthetics. Um, but basically, we talked about the flavone groups um, that we mentioned here, things like apigenin, the quercetin, and gingatin. Um, these things decrease the production of the pro-inflammatory cytokines. Uh, and when they talk about a cytokine storm, that's uh, first call, the last call I mentioned uh, about, their, about the lung, the situation of the lungs, uh, and becoming coral-like. Um, well, regardless of that, the lung damage uh, induced by the unloading of all the chemicals as part and parcel of a inflammatory, an excitatory inflammatory response, um, this is what damages the tissue. And so um, these flavones do decrease the production of pro-inflammatory cytokines, and they decrease histamine. Okay, we do have another caller, but I did want to mention back another thing that black walnut has, like a lot of nuts have, like the Brazil nuts or selenium, and that is pro-thyroid. So, okay, um, so next caller, caller, you're on the air. Where are you from? What's your question? I'm from Connecticut, and my question is, uh, there are a lot of products out there with the bioflavonoids so you can get a supplement, and uh, just wondering, you know, the, the delivery and the bioactivity in that form versus uh, founding foods, you know, if there's any particular concerns around the way they're processed or just the overall activity of a supplement concentrated form versus the ones that are in a sort of food matrix that we get from food. Is there any significant difference? And is there any value of buying those supplements? Thank you. Um, I think, as always, I mean, especially for Dr. Pete's perspective, natural is best. Uh, and obviously, fresh fruits, uh, especially these dark pigmented fruits, uh, the dark berries, strawberries, um, blackberries, uh, raspberries, obviously grapes, um, and the citrus fruits are excellent sources of these flavonoids. Plums, uh, cherries. Yeah, yeah, but that's not to say that um, flavonoid-rich supplements don't work. I mean, I'm sure they do. Uh, it's just a case of eating eating for your health rather than consuming um, dietary supplements for your health is certainly the best way to go. Dr. Pete, what is your um, favorite flavonoid to use regularly or food source that has flavonoids in it? Oh, considering the balance of many foods also have irritating substances or things that are hard to digest and unbalanced I think the citrus juices have the best ratio of anti-inflammatory, pro-metabolic oxidation, and nutrients. The flavonoids and ascorbic acid, for example, are all pro-oxidative metabolic supports. And the, the juice is very low in uh, indigestible uh, or pro-inflammatory substances. Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor, KMEDG Alpha 91.1 FM. From now until 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with questions. The number is 707-923-3911. So perhaps we should probably look at... Uh, the next subject, which was the uh, natural resistance. I think we've covered the uh, flavanols and the other natural mast cell stabilizers from plant sources uh, as good um, anti-inflammatories and a decreasing uh, inflammatory cytokines and histamine and tumor necrosis factor and all the other interleukins that are all responsible uh, for that massive inflammation and the destruction of tissue that happens as a result 
of the uh, body's natural system unloading uh, on the cells. So getting to natural resistance, and I wanted to, again, just bring up the point that you first mentioned in your, uh, your kind of uh, introduction uh, to my questions. You mentioned iron, and then I found, I found an article uh, which was really very clearly identifying this, and I know you've done uh, a specific um, article, which is a, uh, a, you know, it's a printable article on your website about iron. You put it, and it's called Iron's Dangers, but I actually read this article here, which was done not so long ago, uh, about the negative effects of iron. But we do have a couple of callers, so I just want to get the callers um, processed here, and if we have time, then we can go through the negative effects, the dangers of iron uh, in terms of promoting bacterial overgrowth in the body. Uh, and how these infections can become overwhelming just because there is not um, enough sequestration or elimination of iron. So it first of all, it has, has similar effects on cancer development too. Okay, well let, let's take these callers, Dr. Pete, and see what uh, see what callers we have. Caller, that's Call you. On the air. Rhubarb guy, it's you. Thank you. I'm I, I just quick query. Uh, Plants are such a uh, healing factor. Uh, let me know what you think about rhubarb. What plant was that? Rhubarb? Yes, rhubarb. Oh, oh uh, uh, at least the, the famous uh, Chinese rhubarb contains chemicals very similar to cascara and lapacho and our intrinsic uh, ubiquin on our coenzyme Q10. Uh, so it can be used medically. I think the root has been used medically um, more than the rest. The stems are a tasty food, but I don't think they have much of the curative pigment material. This is a Chinese rhubarb, right? The reimpalmatum. Yeah, I think they're in the yeah. same family. Yeah, they are. I think that one's rhubarb. So what about the red color and the pink rhubarb? We just cooked them up last night. Isn't that um, full of antioxidants? I suspect that it is. When you cook it down, it goes very red if you have some nice red-colored rhubarb stems. I think the only negative thing to it, perhaps, is some of the oxalates it contains, but um, some spinaches do the same thing. So. I think there's another caller. I think there is one more caller. So let's take this next caller. If you're there, caller, they, where are you from? What's your question? They actually hung up. So uh, okay. Oh, and we're uh, we're seven fifty. So at seven fifty, I usually say, please don't call, so that you guys can finish off getting all the information out. And yeah, well, I think we can take another caller. Before okay. Number So let's see what we get. Okay. So Dr. Pete. Um, you mentioned iron, and I was looking at an article about iron's negative effects in the blood in terms of being pro-bacterial, uh, in terms of multiplying bacteria in the presence of iron. Uh, yeah, some of it floats freely, dissolved in the blood plasma, and if a bacterium gets into your bloodstream, bacteria... Can use it to produce energy the same way you, we do, and so bacteria can thrive on the amount of iron normally in the blood, and the body protects itself by 
drastically reducing the amount of free iron circulating in the body fluids and binds it up in an oxidized form and holds it inside cells. And that's why a blood measurement of of iron can't tell you very much by some of the measurements, but if you measure the binding capacity and the amount of bound iron in the form of transferrin saturation, if the transferrin molecule is almost saturated with iron, that means your blood is great food for bacterial replication and and overgrowth. So you want to have a fairly low, like 20 to 30% saturation is a healthy range for resistance to bacterial infection and also apparently to cancer multiplication because iron is one of the things that cancer needs to multiply freely. And that's one of the things I like to look at on uh, clients' blood work. We mentioned up 20%. So if you do an iron saturation, that's what you're referring to, right? Yes. Yeah, because uh, sometimes I'll see clients with uh, 50% saturation in their blood, and and they usually are not too well when they have that high a level of iron. Uh, uh, yeah, part, partly that's because it, it means that the, uh, the cell isn't oxidizing strongly enough to keep the iron strongly bound up inside cells. So it's floating in the bloodstream and um, basically rusting things, right? Stopping rust. Uh, uh, yeah, becomes, inside the body. It becomes food for invaders. Okay, so uh, you do, I think you've also mentioned, I mean, I, I know you're very uh, supportive of milk, in the diet and eggs, but it was interesting that um, I saw an article talking about lactotransferrins uh, from milk um, and conalbumin uh, from egg white as being very good at um, binding binding iron and or lowering lowering iron in the serum. Um, uh, yeah, um, eggs have been found to be both antibacterial and antiviral, especially in a, a raw form. Like like an eggnog, uh, they have found that uh, where other forms of lecithin uh, stimulate uh, bacterial or viral growth, uh, the lecithin from egg yolk has a, a bactericidal and virucidal effect. So this this would support the uh, kind of athlete's uh, recommendation of drinking a couple of eggs whisked up with a glass of milk, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, okay, so um, I wanted also to mention the fact that I saw an article again which mentioned how much um, the uh, serum concentration of iron is lowered during fever and that potentially this is probably one of the body's natural responses uh, to fever perhaps induced by bacterial infection and that that would be kind of an appropriate response. Um, Yeah, and the thyroid... Uh, in good health, the thyroid is doing that uh, all by itself. But uh, it, when the body is threatened, uh, it, it can uh, go into that uncoupled, high oxidative state uh, uh, defensively. 
and then when the threat is over, it can go back to relying on thyroid to, to maintain the high metabolic rate. Okay, we should probably leave it there because it's uh, 7.56 now. So thanks so much for your time again, Dr. Pete, and we'll give out your details. Okay, thanks. Thank you for joining us. Okay, so for people who have listened to the show uh, or want to listen to it later on, uh, the audio archives are freely available. Uh, go to kmud.org, um, go to audio archives, and Friday Night Talk uh, is the name of the show. So look at the Friday night talks for the third Friday of each month. I think they keep two months in, uh, in, in on the list. Uh, and we we have all of most of last year's and a few of this year's month's shows to put up. Um, everything up until including the beginning of 2020 is on our website, www.westernbotanicalmedicine.com. Uh, for those people who have listened to Dr. Pete and want to find out more about him, www.raypeat.com, uh, fully referenced material uh, on his site about many different uh, conditions, most of which people can uh, easily um, self-treat in terms of doing the best possible thing for themselves through nutrition uh, and or some of the substances that are recommended, although it's not a big pusher of dietary supplements by any means. Um, so for those people who have listened to the show, uh, the next uh, month, the third Friday in June, will be the next time that we'll be on. Uh, Western Botanical Medicine is the name of our business, and we both practice natural alternative medicines and uh, have a degree from England in herbal medicine, uh, licensed there to diagnose and prescribe. Uh, our, best, our website is uh, freely available and people can archive and look at the video shows that we've done with Dr. Pete in the resources tab. Uh, my name's Andrew Murray. Until the third Friday of next month. Good night. My name's Sarah Johannesson. Thank you for tuning in. Herbal Med RX creates organic herbal products including bath and body oils, salves, deodorants, herbal teas, CBD products, essential oil blends, and more. Visit www.herbalmedrx.com to see all products and events. You can reach Sue Lukasha at Herbal Med RX by phone at 209-296-2134. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are in our spring pledge drive. Keep KMUD blooming. Add some nutrition to your brain. We've got Shaka and Shyla, or maybe just Shaka. Hi, Shyla. Shyla's here too. Stepping out on a wing and a prayer. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a lovely evening. <laughs>